ready to go. He was like, wait, say the word dad. I want to get out of here, get to my class. Got great things. They're going to dance with their kids' music. They're going to have their message, and it's going to be an awesome time. You know, one of the things that I, I love uh, about our kids' program that you all wouldn't know because you're up here stuck with me, but when I, when I grew up, you know, we, we would go to Sunday school, and, uh, you know, the teachers would always do their best, and, uh, you know, we'd get a, a message that most of the time bored me to tears, but we never actually prayed. We never, they never asked, you know, what's going on in your life? What would you like to pray about? And so we always start every one of our kids, uh, Word Kids sessions with, hey guys, what's going on in your life? What's good? What, what, what do you need? You know, what's, what, what do your parents need? What can we pray for? You have to instill a habit of prayer into the children. If you don't get them now, they're not going to do it later. But it says train up a child in the way that it should go and they won't depart. Training is not just listening. Training is doing and working. And so when our kids go downstairs, they're not just hearing, they're dancing, they're doing the actions, they're, they're, they're speaking out the word of God, they're praying one for another and for their friends. Man, we, we gotta, if, if they can do it, I think so can we. We can, we can as well, amen? Well, how's everybody doing this morning? And welcome to all you that are joining us online this morning. We're so glad that you're, you're here with us as well. Just lock in, just like as if you were sitting in a chair in front of us. The presence of God is just with you. But I'm going to go ahead and say, you guys just missed worship. Ma, come on. We just had an awesome time. I warned the worship team as we were in, in uh, leadership prayer before the service today that yesterday... I, I was in here, and I was just having my time of worship, and I was just setting my head straight. And while I was started off playing, the cleaners were in here vacuuming, and I was just like, I don't care what's going on in this room. I'm worshiping. And I, I just, just started praising God. I was singing in the Spirit, and different songs were coming up. And as the further I went, it's like the deeper I got, and the presence of God just completely surrounded me. And I thought the cleaners were still in the room. And uh, as I was just worshiping, I was singing this song about peace, and the peace of God just rolled into this place. And you know when you're, you're in, a, in a place and it feels like everybody's like there and everybody's just like, oh, this is awesome. And I, f I felt in my heart, it was just like the place was just filled with people, with the awestruck wonder of God. Like the angels of heaven had stopped and were just like, oh, we've come to worship with you. And I just started singing out this old song. Well, it's old. It might be new for some of you, old for me. We are joined by angels. Our purpose the same. To worship the one and only God. A little piece of heaven is in this place. And the thing is, as, as you learn open up those worlds of worship to step from here in the natural into heaven because you got to realize that's where you, you you exist right you may be physically in body and in soul here on this earth but heaven's not far away heaven's right here and it says that spiritually you are seated together with jesus in heavenly places uh, you know you don't just have to stay seated beside god get up and worship in your heart, explore heaven. There are, and Jesus said, in my, in my Father's house there are many, and we always interpret it mansions, but the word is rooms. There's places you can go in heaven and let the atmosphere of heaven invade this earth. And that's why Jesus said, when he prayed, he said that, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we can open up those realms of worship and just get lost. And then it just, the, the presence of God and the glory of God just gets all over you. Just like it did with Moses and he came down the mountain and he was just glowing like a light bulb. This year there were there's certain themes that have been heavy on my heart as we stepped into 2022. We've been talking about for the last 10 weeks that I hunger. I stir up a hunger. You don't have to tell me to come to the table. There's already a hunger brewing. And as soon as I hear the pots a-clanging and the food a-cooking, I come a-running to the table because I want to be with the master. A hunger. And the other theme is for the presence of God. Man, maybe it's been years and years since you've truly experienced the overwhelming peace and the presence of God. You don't have to be like, oh, that was a good day. You can have a better day today. You can step into things that you didn't in the past and experience the presence of God. And not only that, the manifest glory of God. 
man, over the last few months, I've been reading lots and lots of old studies from Brother Hagin and others where, where they were just preaching. And as, as he's like, he's like, whoa, the presence of God, the glory of God just rolled in the back. It's like I can barely see the back row anymore. And then as he continued preaching and glorifying God, he's like, oh, I can't even see like half the congregation. And then it was just being completely enveloped in the glory of God. You know, there's stories of people where the presence of God 200, 300 years ago just hit the place and the people from miles around just <laughs> fell out in the presence of God. Unbelievers and believers alike. There's stories of people where they're driving by and they see a building where people are meeting and glorifying God and it looks like smoke is rolling out the windows and they call the fire department and they get there and it's just people on their knees just worshiping and praising God and the atmosphere of heaven and the glory of God. You know, Brother Hagin would often talk about the glory of God would roll in and people would also be like, my goodness, I'm healed. That, that tumor just fell off. I couldn't walk, but all of a sudden I got up. No one laying hands on them as we create an atmosphere of worship and presence of God. It's not a church thing. It's a life thing. In your house, you can create an atmosphere of glory where people come in to your house and they're like, whew, it's, I don't know what it is. It's just so great here. Hallelujah. Well, that's all for free. That had nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. Uh, as, as we ended our hunger series there last week, my, I did my last part two weeks ago, and Pastor Robin did an awesome job last week, and you should all just keep pushing him and pushing him, saying, we need to hear more of you, we need to hear more. I know he said that he'd rather be there and me up here, but I think you need to spend some more time up here because there's things that that apostolic anointing needs to release. You know, I can teach and I can pastor, but there's things that need to be launched. And so you got to be a little more obedient to when I say, come on, you got to do it. I know you may not want to, but you need to. And I'm going to poke a little fun at him because he did at me. You know, he pulled out his, his, uh, his wooden pulpit, which is really nice, made perfectly for him. And, you know, I don't mind it. And, and he was making fun of my glass table. And I'll tell you why I use the glass table. It has nothing to do with modern. I just don't feeling like there's something between me and you I want to get right up in your faces and you know some of you think that you're safe by sitting here near the back I have no problem coming back down here and just talking to y'all and just being right here I don't care what the cameras do they can still hear me but God's not at the front God's in this place all the way through it from whether you sit at the front whether you sit at the back man you, you pull from the inside of you it's not a, not about me just preaching a message it's us coming and we all give of our supply Woo, hallelujah. We, we give of our part because we are all the body of Christ. It's not about like one person does this. No, we, we come and we are the body. And when you come, you just even being in these seats is what is needed because your part, your heart opens up and we all like lock in like this is my part. This is my part. I'm here to believe with you, Pastor Jordan. Man, I'm going to pull on my heart. You know that you can sit on the edge of your seat during a message? I'm not talking about physically, but you can do it physically if you want. If you want to sit in there and say, come on, yeah, that's right. Whoo, that's good. You know, that there's something that's coming out right now. I believe with you. I know that that thing that God has imparted into your heart, Pastor Jordan, that's for me and I'm ready to receive it. You know, there's things that are learned or things that are taught and then there's things that are caught. And as the spirit of faith and the presence of God, those are things that you sometimes just can't articulate properly with words that you just got to grab hold of and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still not, has nothing to do with my message, but I won't apologize for it. And as, I was, as we ended this series, that's where I was going with that. As we ended this series, the hunger series, there was three particular messages that were on my heart that I wanted to do for the month of March leading into April before we probably start into a new series. And so, of course, I, I went about and I, and I wrote the one that was on my heart, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. And I finished it up about Thursday, midday. And uh, then I had my prayer time that I usually have with Garnet on, uh, on uh, Thursdays. And after we're done praying, he's like, so, uh, he's like, so where, where, where are we going now that you're done with hunger? And I was like, well... I wrote a message already this week, but I, as we were worshiping and praying, this is what I have to do now. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, sometimes it's just this is like the, the proverb said, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will stand. And so you can have plans just like I can have plans, and it's good to be planned. You know, Jesus said, you know, before you build a building, you should count the cost. It's good to make plans and set things in order, but it's also good to learn to yield. When he said, yeah, sure, that's great, but this is what I'd rather do. 
You know, that's what, that's what God did to Paul, right? You know, Paul said, I'm going to go to Asia, and the Holy Spirit said, no, no, you're not. He said, fine, I'll, I'll go to Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit's like, no, no, you're not. And then finally Paul got the picture that there's something else, so he stopped. And it said that while he was at night, and you know what? You want to know why God sometimes talks to you at night? Because you stop. You stop. Your mind stops. And he's like, finally, as God says to him, you know, uh, with the dream of the man from Macedonia, come on over here. And so he gets up. He's like, I guess we're going to Macedonia. And he goes. And so you'll find sometimes when you just get stopped and you let everything else stop, that's when God will actually begin to speak to you. You know, sometimes I find he does most of his talking to me when I'm in the shower. You know, I'm just enjoying the warm weather, and, or warm weather, warm water. And then he just begins to talk because I've stopped long enough to listen. And so many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose, and that will stand. Which means that there's things that we'll try and do that weren't God's plans that won't stand. And it says, what, what a man desires is unfailing love, and oh, thank God we have that in God. That he is love that never fails, that never stops. He's not, he, he's not upset when you get screwed, get mess up, and you do the wrong things, and you sin. His unfailing love is there to restore you. It says that if anybody's sinned, you know, confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know, we have to understand the picture that is written in the Greek there with the words it's used. The word for cleanse has to do with the, the, the same equivalent of washing the dishes. You know, getting a little dirt and food on the dishes doesn't change the nature of the dish, does it? When you sin, it doesn't change your nature. You have been declared righteous. But what God does, he's like, oh, you don't need that mud on you, and he just kind of brushes it off. As you come to him and say, God, I screwed up. And he's like, that's okay, my child. We can fix this. He says, what, it, what a man desires is unfailing love, and it's better to be poor than a liar. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. He says, and the fear of the Lord leads to life, and then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Whoo! Rest content, untouched by trouble. When? When he follows the plan of the Lord, even if it contradicts your plan, you just say, okay, I yield. You obviously know something that I don't in this moment. And so three weeks ago, we preached a message called A Place Called There. And as we were getting ready to preach that message uh, before service, I, I said to our, the leadership, I said, there's just something in my heart that says that this is a pivotal day. And that this is a pivotal, pivotal message that needs to be spoken and needs to be received. And so if you haven't heard that, I encourage you to go to wordchurch.ca and get a hold of that. Maybe refresh yourself on it. But God has a place where he's called you to. God has called you to this place as a church. And you know, there, there's interesting that when you get in your place, you receive things that you don't other places. Because God knows where you're supposed to be and he knows where to send the mail to. Right? You have no idea how many times in the last 15 years that God's put words and specific things on my heart for somebody who didn't show up that day. He knows where you are supposed to be even when you're not there. And so if you're saying, God, why, why am I not hearing? Why am I not hearing? Get where you're supposed to be because God will get to you what he needs to get to you where you're supposed to be. You know, I have a friend that I, I still pick on to this day. You know, when we were in school, every night, like, we would be in classes all day long and praying in the school all afternoon, and then every night we would drive somewhere to find somebody else to, to, to listen and to be under the anointing and under the teaching. And every time we'd be like, hey, we're going here, he'd be like, no, it's okay. I'm like, come on, you're going to miss out. He's like, no, God will get to me what he needs to get to me. Well, you know what? He never did. Why? Because he never showed up to where he was supposed to be. And there's places where God calls you where it's just like you feel in your heart, it's like, you know, I know I'm supposed to do this today, but I need to go here. You got to listen to those yieldings and those leadings because he knows how to get to you what you need when you're where you're supposed to be. And so a place called there where God said to Elijah, get up from here. And sometimes it requires movement. He said, get away. He had to move eastward and hide by the brook Cherith which floats into the Jordan, flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, because I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. 
And when God has told you where to be, it's best that you get where it is until he tells you to go on. Because that's where you'll be fed. That's where your provision will be. That, and we said that your there determines your location. Your there determines your vocation. When he tells you what to be doing, get busy doing it. And it also determines your provision. He said the ravens will feed you there. Miracles happen in your there. But all miracles are received by faith, aren't they? When you say, God, I, I believe that what you said is true. And when I get in my there, I believe that you'll meet me there. And you'll provide for me there. And sometimes we get in there there and we're seeing nothing because we've been believing nothing. You know, if you expect nothing, you often get nothing. You know, Paul said, according to my earnest expectation, this will work out for my good. You know what he was talking about? He was in prison. And he said, according to my expectation, this is going to work out for my good. And it did. He got released. And he went and he preached some more. And yes, he got arrested later again and executed under Nero. But he, according to his earnest expectation of when he was writing that verse, he knew that God was going to deliver him from that situation. Where is your earnest expectation? That's what Pastor Robin was preaching about last week with his edition of The Hunger. This is an expectation of good things. Man, we're just all over the place this morning, but I will not apologize. It's all included in the price of admission. <laughs> and so God has called you to a place called there. And that doesn't mean he wants to micromanage your life. There's times where he's like, what do you want to do? That's relationship, you know? There's times where he tells you what you have to do, and then there's times where he asks you what you want to do. Because he trusts you. It's like we were saying that he, he created all the animals, and he brought them to Adam, and he said, what do you want to call it? And Adam named them all. And Adam got so, so into that routine of God bringing him things and him naming them, God makes woman, and Adam's like, I call her woman. God didn't call her woman. Adam did. And God has no problem with you calling things that be not as though they were. Because that's what Abraham said. He call, he's the God of the one who calls those things which be not as though they were. There's power in our words and in our expectations in our beliefs. we got a message coming up in the next few weeks about tenacious faith. There's too much passive faith in the body. Yes, I believe in God. It'll be fine. Uh, there's a lot of instances where you got to stand up with some tenacity like a bulldog. Whew, we just feel like we're circling. We're looking for the place to land. You know, what, what, what does God want for today in this moment? You know, I'd rather be doing that. And so when you have a place called there, we preached the second message, and it was that the enemy wants you to get you out of your there. And he's going to try his hardest, and try as he may, he cannot get you out of your there unless you choose to move out of your there. And we looked at that in this situation with what happened with Eve, what God had said, what God had created him to be, and then what the devil said to her. He wants to manipulate God's perspective and God's thoughts in your mind because he can't get you out of your there. He couldn't get her out of Eden. And in order to get her out of Eden, he had to first get Eden out of her mind. He had to pervert the thoughts that God had given her so that she would willingly give up and walk away from the there that God had called her to. And he, you know, he has no new tricks. As he was working with her, he'll try and do the same for you. But this morning we're going to preach a message called, I'm not ignorant. I knew where we were going. It just takes me a little bit sometimes. And Paul said, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we're not ignorant of his devices. Now, when we look at that word advantage, an advantage seems like a good thing, right? If you've got an advantage in, in, in business, that's a good thing. But this is not like that. This says Satan should take advantage. You put those two words together, and you get something completely different than advantage. When, what do you think of when you think of take advantage? You think someone who's been assaulted, someone who's been manipulated, someone who's been deceived or coerced. He, the enemy wants to take advantage because he does not have the advantage. And so he wants to take your advantage, which tells me you have the advantage in life and over him. 
because if he wants to take it from you, it must be something of value. Whew, and if only we could value that advantage as much as God did when he gave it to you. And he says, so lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices or his tools or his schemes or the ways he works. Because as he did it in the past, he'll do it again. He has no creative power. He is what he is. He's a liar, a liar, a liar. I love as Mark, Mark Hankins always says, you lie, you fry. Actually, no, it's Jesse Duplantis. You lie, you fry. He's a liar. It's all he can do. And he'll try and take advantage, but he only does the same things over and over and over again. The word advantage there is to have more, to be superior, and to excel or surpass or have an advantage over. And so you have more than he does. You are superior to him. You excel in all things over him. You surpass him in every way and you have an advantage over him. And that's why he wants to take it. Yes. But if he has to take it, it reveals his true nature. And I don't usually spend a lot of time talking about the, the ways of the enemy, and the reason is, is because he's defeated. We should spend more time talking about God and who we are. Because when we're, when we're in our place, what, how can he stand against you? Isn't that what John said? He said, if, if God be for you, who can be against you? He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we should spend a lot of time, but this morning I'm just going to reveal the very flimsy skeleton of a person that he is. If you join me over in Isaiah chapter 14, if you would like, this is the prophet Isaiah prophesying about some things that he's seeing that have transpired and taken place long before he existed. And he begins to have his eyes opened up, and he begins to see the very act of Satan's demise, which happened before this earth existed, just so you're aware. And so if his demise was before you existed, don't, don't give him much credence. And in four, chapter 14, verse 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven! O Lucifer, and how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Everyone say fallen. fallen. Which means he was in a place that he's no longer. Say cut down. Now, I'm sure, Cam, you could really explain this a lot better than me, but what happens when you hack away at a tree? It comes a-tumbling. He's been hacked away at. It's not the mighty oak that it may have used to have been. It's not what the tree was intended for. God just went, and he fell. You know, there's another verse that Jesus said. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Why is it lightning? Because it's that fast. In his best day, he couldn't even do a split second in the presence of God. Who's in you? Who's with you? Jesus said, let them be one with us as well. I'm one with you, God, in you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So on his best day, he couldn't even put up a sliver of a fight. And this is, it says, what the plans of the enemy were. It says, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, which means he's not there. Heaven is a place of authority. Heaven is a place of power. Heaven is a place of dictation where you speak, and it is. That's the position from which God sits, and where you sit together with him. And he says, I will ascend, which means he's trying to make the climb back up. And he says, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The imagery of stars of God you know what that is? Those are the other angels. And so he's saying, I will exalt my throne above the other angels, which means he's already below them. Keep that in mind. He's already below them. He said, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Who's the congregation? That's the church of God. That's the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, the saints of God. And he says, I want to sit on the mount and rule over them, on the farthest sides of the north. 
And he says, I will ascend to the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High God. And so if his endeavor is to be like God, it already tells us that he's not. And he never will be. That's right, Rob. He never will be. I will be like the Most High God is one of his goals and one of his endeavors. But it's not one of your goals or one of your endeavors. It's one of your realities. He says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over all the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image, and in, his, in the image of God he created the man, male and female. So God said, Let's make them in our likeness, and then he did it. And so it's not something you have to try to be. It's something you are. My kids don't have to try to be my sons. They are. You don't have to try and be like God. You're already in his nature and in his likeness. He procreates in the same species. It'd be really weird if a dog had cats. Right? We'd be like, somebody call the sci-fi team. That just doesn't happen. Somebody's been playing with things. God doesn't procreate outside of his own nature. And he breathed in the garden the breath of God or a part of himself into man. And that is your spirit. You're already like God. And so the enemy's main plan is he wants to usurp your position. Say, he cannot! And you know, God even thinks very little of him. God's not concerned about him. And you know, he wrote the end of the Bible for a reason. He wants you to know that on Satan's best day, he lost. And on his day of trying to reclaim whatever position he had before, he's going to lose again. And the only way he's even going to get a little bit of power as the time gets towards the end of time before Jesus' return is not because he can take it, it's because other people give it to him. And so we can go ahead and say, whatever may come, I give him none of mine. I give him no place. Say this with me, I am not ignorant. But if God spends little time talking, thinking about him, you know what he does think about? You. And David said, what is man that you're mindful of him? And what is the son of man that you visit him? God's thinking about you. Now, when we read this in the English, we say the son of man that you visit him. You think, you, think, you know, hey, God wants to come, come and sit down and have a conversation with John, and he totally does. He wants to visit with you. That's not what that word visit means in the Hebrew. It means to muster the troops. And so when it's, he's thinking about you, He's also like, whew, I don't like that situation. Call in the legions, let's go! We're coming to his aid. And so what is God that he visits you? What is the son of man that he visits you? It's the son of man that he stands at your back and he's willing to go to bat with you and say, whew, come on, let's fight this fight together. We fight the good fight of faith. Isn't that what Paul told Timothy? We fight the good fight of faith, and we don't do it in our own strength and our own abilities. Didn't he say that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or not natural, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds? That's the enemy's kingdom. He puts up these flimsy cardboard castles, and by the power of us working with God and the, our words and our faith, they get torn down. He's got a flimsy castle. Ooh, but you know the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's not just like, oh, ooh, I'm strong. The word that's used in the Hebrew is stronghold. A castle with a big old wall and a big deep moat and a bunch of alligators is a stronghold. <laughs> Let him try and cross your moat. Dare him. Say, I dare you. I love what Mark Hankins said. Sometimes you just got to grab a cornstalk, swing it over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Come on. You have no obligation to be nice to the enemy. You don't have to mince words with him. You tell it as it is. You kick him in the teeth. You have to be nice to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You should be a light to the world out there, but you have no obligation to be nice to him. Don't mince words. 
And so God is thinking of you. In the next verse, he says, For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And that's a horrible, horrible mistranslation because nowhere in the Bible is the Hebrew word that's used here translated angels. It's God. The word Elohim is God, plural. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And what happens is the translators were going through and they were like, you have made him a little lower than God? No, 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 no. That can't be. That can't be. That was translated by someone who had no understanding of their identity in Christ. Who he had made them to be. They're like, we can't say that. Yes, you can. Come on. We have no problem calling him Father, and Jesus has no problem calling you his brothers and his sisters. Made him a little lower than God. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. And you've put all things, everyone say all things, things. under his feet. feet. Who's he talking about? Oh, come on. Uh, I know there was a little bit of thing. Well, we're talking about Jesus, right? Uh, Yeah, Jesus came as a man, empowered by God. And all things are under his feet. We can quote Ephesians chapter 1. That we would understand the power that was wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he set him on high in heavenly places and he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to his body, which is the church. Last time I checked, heads are attached to bodies. Heads are at the top, right? And what's the bottom of the body? The feet. And so if all things are under his feet, and he's the head over all things, which is his body, it's under your feet. We don't mince words, right? Put all things under his feet, because that's the thing that God thinks about you. Let's jump over to the New Testament now for a little bit. In Hebrews chapter 2, we get a really interesting passage. In verse 1, it says, Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things in which we have heard, lest we drift away. You know what? Let's put this into a simple way, right, teacher? Saying, pay attention. Pay attention to what you've heard. The writer of Hebrews is talking to Jewish believers who had drifted a long, 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 long way from God's intentions for them at this point. He wanted them to be the apple of his eye. He wanted them to be the jewel of all the nations, but yet here we find them severely subjugated by the Roman Empire, where in just a few short years after this being written, they came in and they flattened the city of Jerusalem, and they spread them out around the world. And so they've drifted a long, 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 long way, but now they've become believers in Christ. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to bring their perspective and their thoughts back to what God thinks about them and God's intentions. He says, we need to give more earnest heed to the things in which we've heard, lest we drift away. So that we can tell that there's hearing, and then there's hearing. When you pay attention, it's like, does he really mean what he said there about me? And the answer is yes. He really, 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 really does mean it so sure that he meant it because he doesn't mince words either he says every word out of his mouth is not void of power but it goes forth to do the things in which he's commissioned them to do and so he starts off and he says give more earnest heed to the things we have heard unless you drift away and so if we don't pay attention we experience drift when I was in, in uh, driver's ed back in high school, they said, wherever you're looking and wherever you're paying attention to, that's where you're going to drive, whether you want to or not. So if you're just dazing off of the side, oh, it's a beautiful sunset. Before you know it, you're like, thump, 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 thump. And my kids are always like, Dad, what was that? And they're like, well, that's Dad just not paying attention where we're going. And so when we give heed and we pay attention and we focus, if he said that about me, Maybe I should say that about me. If he believed I could do that, maybe I should believe I can do that. And he says, For if the word that was spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great of salvation? He didn't say that that we wouldn't get the salvation. He said that we end up neglecting it. 
that there were things available that we never chose to use. That they were there for the taking, but we never showed up for the receiving. And he says, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness with both signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Let's think about this. God has not left the habit of confirming his word with signs following. you got to put some weight in when I've opened the word to you and I speak it to you, go ahead and say, yes, and he wants to confirm it in your life. He wants to, oh, you're going to believe me and you're going to walk with me? Just watch the miracles happen. Watch the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to flow and begin to open up to you. And you're like, why do I just feel like I have this weird thought about this situation? Oh, wait, it's a word of wisdom. He's telling me what I need to do and what I need to do coming up. And he's just moving me around because the gifts of the Holy Spirit are flowing because he's confirming his words with signs following. Okay, we said that to get here. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. Now, we already said that with, with uh, David. He spoke, prophesied, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you think of him? Have you not made him a little lower than, and they try to put angels, but it's God. And he says, the world which we're talking about he didn't put the angels in charge of us because there was something higher than them already present here. And it's called his sons and daughters, the body of Christ, the church. He says, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you're mindful of him? Now the writer of Hebrews is quoting David. Or what is the son of man that you take care of them? You have made him a little lower than the, again, such a the mistranslation just gets per- perpetuated over and over. You've made him a little lower than angels, and you've crowned him with glory and honor, and you set him over the works of your hands, and you've put all things in subjection under his feet. And then he now goes back into his own thoughts. He says, for in that he put all in subjection under him. Who's the him? Jesus. And he left nothing that is not under him. Nothing. Everyone say that. Nothing. All things. These are inclusive words. All means all, and nothing being left means nothing was left, including whatever's standing in front of you right now is under your feet. Whether that be a mountain of lack, whether it be a mountain of sickness, whether it be an attack from the enemy, it's all under your feet. Do a little squishy squish. Under your feet. And it says, he left nothing that is not put under him. But we, we, don't, we, we do not yet see all the things put under him. Meaning right now, you just can't, your mind just can't grasp how much he shoved under his feet. Because w- what is bigger than God? And so if, if, if not even the entire accumulation of all the galaxies that we can see through our telescopes... But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than angels. Now here's where it really falls apart. Was Jesus made lower than angels? No, he came fully God and fully man. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom all the things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons, and we can put daughters in there too, to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. Meaning Jesus and you, this thing. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed to call you his brothers and his sisters. And if he's not ashamed to call you his brother, John, go ahead and call him your brother. Go ahead and go and lift out your hands just like he would. Put them out and put them on the sick. Put them on the sick and watch them heal because these hands are his hands. It's just like him. 
You, you're a brother. You're same type of person, same nature. Woo. Hallelujah. He's not ashamed to call them brethren. And Tim, right now, if you're listening to me, you listen good. It's time for you to get up out of that bed. It's time to let the healing power of God flood through you from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet. There's restoration in Jesus' name. Get up, get home, and get in God. Sorry, that's just for me and him. The rest of y'all can wonder. Whew. If the enemy is in subjection to Jesus, it's the same for you. It's the same for you. If the enemy is in subjection for Jesus, it is the same for you. Verse 14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through his death he might destroy him who, everyone say, had the power of death. That is the devil. You forgot who we were talking about, right? Because we got so stirred up about who we are and what Jesus had done that we just realized how flimsy the devil was. And it says that he had the power of death. I mean, does not now. He would kill you if he could. You know, I have a friend who, prior to becoming a Christian, he was a Satanist. And him and his friends would pride themselves of, as, uh, of intra infiltrating churches, pretending to be Christians, and influencing different leaders and different pastors and trying to get them to kill themselves. And he was very, very much uh, involved in the occult. He used to fall in, you know, you talk about people that, you know, had the stigmata where they just float and they got holes in their hands and blood would fall. He was one of those things, severely, severely uh, possessed by the devil before God sent someone to deliver him. And now he's a on fire evangelist for God, goes into some of the toughest parts of the world. But him, what he said is that there would be times where they would leave their bodies, it's called astral projection, and they would go and they would try to find people who they could then try and influence. And he said, do you, do you know what a Christian looks like who's filled with the Holy Spirit? I can't, couldn't do anything ever to them. They just glow like light bulbs. If you could only see what is in you. The devil would kill you if he could, but he can't. So don't let him convince you that he can says might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage release those come on to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage which means that you've been released and you are now no longer subject to those old chains. They've been busted. They've been broken. And too many people are living in cages where the lock's been smashed and the door's open. But they're too afraid to step out because they've gotten so used to their captivity. He's released you. Whew. Come on. I have no idea when I started, but we're wrapping up soon. <laughs> It says, for if he in, in, indeed he does not give aid to angels, God doesn't come to the rescue of angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. What is the son of man that you visit him, that you muster the troops to his attention? He does give aid to the seed of Abraham. And if you are Christ, this is what Paul said to the Galatians, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Say, I'm not ignorant. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. If you were before today, you're not any longer, and you have a responsibility now to what you know. And his first device is keeping you ignorant of who you are. He doesn't want you to know. He does not want you to read your Bible. He does not want you to go to church. He does not want you to hang out with other spirit-filled believers who can encourage you and take you deeper to places that you haven't been. He doesn't want that. Right. And so if he doesn't want that, that means exactly what we should be doing. Yeah. And, and that's why Hebrews said, said that we don't forsake the gathering of ourselves together. It's just even more as you see the day approaching. 
Come on, we look across the body of Christ wide, there's a huge movement of people that I don't, I don't need the church, I am the church. And they isolate themselves. That's what the devil wants. People who are isolated get picked off. That's what the lions do. They isolate the weak, and they eat them. Not me. Not me. His second device is keeping you ignorant of who he really is. And we've been exposing the flimsiness of it. And if we continue back in Isaiah 14, it gives us a better picture. You know, he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High God. He says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, or to the grave, and to the lowest depths of the pit. And those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth to tremble and who shook kingdoms? Man, when it's all revealed, they go, seriously? That's him? Come on. That's the problem I had? That's the boss? And if that's the boss, what about all his other minions that follow and try it? Because you've got to realize that the devil is not omnipresent like God. You've probably never met him. Probably never will. He's got some other, other helpers that try to do the same things as him. But if the boss is weak, guess what? So are they. I love a story of Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, he had just been, he had finished preaching 36 hours straight of preaching and prayer. Man, I can't imagine 36 hours straight. I get an hour in sometimes and I'm like, I got to have a nap. So 36 hours straight and he, and he gets into bed and he's in this dead sleep. And as he's in the middle of the night, feels his bed start bouncing and he, he's like what's going on and his bed is bouncing across and he looks up and there's the devil himself standing at the end of the bed and of course he went oh no oh no it's the devil some people would no he didn't he said oh it's you and he said get out of here in Jesus name and he went to lay back down he's like wait put my bed back first that's someone who knows who they are in Christ and doesn't mince words with the works of the enemy. Whether it be lack, whether it be sickness, whether it be tormenting, whether it's try someone trying to oppress you, he doesn't, you don't mince words. You don't mince words because I'm not ignorant. This is you who shook the kingdoms? Come on. Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities who did not open the house of his prisoners, all the kingdoms of the nations, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house. But you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like a garment of those who are slain, who are thrust through with the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a corpse trodden underfoot. So he doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to know who he is. And we said two weeks ago, he wants you to question what God has said. He wants to sow seeds of doubt into your mind. He wants you to feel like God is holding out on you, but he can't make you eat. He can't make you yield. So you need to determine in your heart, I will not yield. I will not yield. You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free means that anything that tries to bring you into bondage does not have the power to. Hallelujah. You know, Pastor Robin, as he was preaching last week, was picking a little bit up on this, but like, you know, if the angels, he didn't give aid to angels, he didn't put the angels in charge, he put you in charge down here. So where does the angels fit into this? He says in the chapter before in Hebrews, he says, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand, I make your enemies your footstool? And the answer is, none of them. But you're seated at his right hand, and all of your enemies are under your feet. Get comfortable in this position. They're your footstool, not your master. And so if he didn't say to the angels, sit at my right hand, what did he say to the angels? He said, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. They are here to work on your behalf. Hallelujah. You know, I was talking with Pastor Wendy on Friday, and I was sharing a, a story um, of someone we know 
that they were talking about in a recent meeting that they were in, they, were, they were, had, a, had a vision of, in heaven, this giant storeroom of just body parts and provision, and it was like a supply closet. You, know, you have a supply of the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. Where do those supplies come from? God's got more than enough for any situation you could imagine on this earth. And as she was meditating on the vision she was seeing, as she's preaching, all of a sudden an angel shows up with a heart in its hand. And she was like, oh my goodness. And she's like, she's like I'm trying to keep preaching. I don't want everybody to see that I'm freaked out. And she just kind of said under her, she said, God, how do you want me to do this? He says, do it whatever, however you want. You know, that's where he doesn't want to micromanage you. Sometimes he'll tell you. Sometimes he'll ask you. So do it however you want. And she said, who, who needs a heart? God's got a heart for you. And as soon as he said that, a guy jumped on his feet. And as he did, the angel went, and shoved it in his back. And the guy went, and it was like everything was all of a sudden just opened up. And he went to the doctor and he said, all congestion and all heart failure was gone out of him. Because the angel's just here to serve. Man, get in, get in the mindset of angels on assignment. Angels are out there working. They're opening doors for me so that when I get there, I just walk right in. They're standing there with the provision, and you just say, thank you, servant. And they're like, you're welcome, son. You're a son of God. And Hebrews 13 says, let brotherly love continue, and do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained I don't know, Pastor Wendy and Robin have some stories about angels showing up and they just thought they were people. And then everybody's like, no, I have no idea who you're talking about. Angels on assignment in your life. If it wasn't enough that you are who you are, you also got all the angelic hosts of heaven waiting to help. What did Jesus say when Peter cut off Malchus's ear when they were arresting him? put the ear back on, and he said, Peter, don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels right now and deliver me if I wanted? You know how many 12 legions is? 60,000. And that's just a glimmer of what heaven has. And they were at Jesus' disposal, and he's proud to call you brethren. Say this with me. I hunger. I hunger for you, God. I hunger for all that you have. I hunger for all that you've called me to be. Say, I choose to walk in who I am. I am not ignorant. Now, maybe you've been watching this morning via the internet, and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. You haven't become brothers or sisters with God, with Jesus himself. Right now is your moment. Now is your time. Do not wait another second. It's time for you to call upon the name of, the, name of Jesus and say, Father, I receive Jesus. I will not live another moment outside of my position. I turn from all else, and I run to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer with us, we would love for you to get in contact with us. You can go to wordchurch.ca. We'd love to hook up, get resources. And if you're in the area, we say, come on, come worship. Come sit here under the anointing. Come let your life be transformed. In a moment, our word care team is going to be up here at the front. If you have anything you need prayer for, do not hesitate to not come up. Come on, let them pray. Let them believe with you. And man, whew. I'm trying to, I'm circling. If you, if you don't know what that means, it means I'm just like, I don't know. I, sometimes you just don't want to end because the Holy Spirit has got things. And you, you want to give Him time. You want to give Him the priority. You got to get what you need. He doesn't want that you leave without what you need. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. God, recognize that there was an impartation today. There was a move of your spirit that was stirring in this place today. I grab hold by faith. I thank you that I have what you were imparting because I receive it by faith. In Jesus' name. 
something that God stirred up in our hearts a while back now, and actually it's been a decade or more in the works, that God said that there's an evangelistic plan that he has for his body. And in the body of Christ today, the most absent gift we see is the gift of the evangelist. And he's saying, not anymore. Not anymore what we've been speaking over you and over this church is that the gift of the evangelist is at work in this body. Not just that. We talk over ourselves and you need to as well. The gift of the evangelist is at work in me. Paul told Timothy, a pastor, do the work of an evangelist. This world needs to hear about Jesus now, not later. We don't have the time for later. We have the time for now. And it's rising in you. Yes. And it's rising in me. Yes. Oh, it's rising in me. Go ahead and say that out in yourself. Yes. Oh, it's rising in me. souls and more souls yes it does oh my heart burns for your people your children God oh my heart beats like yours it beats for Mike it beats for Sally it beats for Joe it beats for Brandon it beats for all those you are calling Lord and here am I send me Lord send me Lord send me Hallelujah, hallelujah, Woo. yes, God said this to Pastor Robin in 2006, <laughs> he said, Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, and there's an evangelistic fire in your lives, in prophesying over this church, and may that spirit increase within you. Bring the evangelist in. Oh, come on. If you recognize someone, there, there's, there's, we do the work of the evangelist, but there's also the gift of the evangelist, just like there's a pastor. And too long we've been trying to say, get in the pulpit, you know, preach and dance, monkey, do some miracles. No, evangelists are supposed to be out there. And they bring them here. Pastors and teachers raise them up and release them out. Bring the evangelist in. If you recognize someone who's an evangelist, man, you've got to stir that in them. I have a friend. He doesn't like when I do it, and I do it all the same. I call him Aaron the Evangelist. Every text I send him, I said, how's Aaron the Evangelist today? Doing good, doing good. Oh, man, you know, I just so admire the fire in Aaron the Evangelist. He's a car salesman. Man, he can talk to anybody. He can become friends with anybody. They get around him and they just like put the walls down. That's the gift of the evangelist at work. He gets to pray with people as he's selling them a car. Yeah, it's so funny. Like he has customers, he sells them a car, and then they show up a week later and they pull up and they pop the trunk and like, I just felt like I should give you these golf clubs. Who does that to their car salesman? But it's just the blessing of the overflow. Man, go ahead, be bold. Cam the evangelist. I love your heart, Cam. I really do. I love your heart. Let it overflow. Hallelujah. So bring the evangelist into your house. You've got some evangelists in your house that are in a young state. Blow on the fire. Blow on the fire. Blow on their fires. 
and let them begin to kindle the fires of evangelism and the spirit of evangelism and soon one fire will blow and get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger and stronger there's more that we can say about that but we're not going to there's times this is just one of those days where God is wanting to impart, impart. he's wanting to declare and it's your fault it's your fault and that's why you can't stand back from getting in the pulpit from time to time because you build things and you release things even if you, you may be saying one thing but something else has happened blow on our hearts this year that every afternoon I'm going to walk and I'm going to pray and I'm going to talk to God and say I start off saying God I don't know what we want to pray about today but whatever you want to pray about and about a week and a half ago I just started singing out of my heart that there's a fire within the gates of this city yes Woo, Jesus I can feel that same power and anointing right back Oh, there's a fire within the gates of the city. Whoo, burn it all down. <laughs> yes, all the works of the enemy in this town, as flimsy and as cardboardish as they are, burning down. Because the kingdom of God is moving. It's Smith's Falls. It's growing. It's burning bright. It's burning strong, and there is a fire within the gates. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I understand we went a little bit different direction this morning than we normally would have. Come on, Jeff. You're doing awesome. You're doing such a great job those kids, loving them when they don't have any other love in their life. You are doing such a great job, and he is so proud of what you've done with the door that he opened for you. And he said, as you're faithful, that you walk through the door that I gave you, I'm going to open more doors for you that you haven't even thought of yet, because I think bigger, and I'm going to expand your perspective and your ideas of how this all should happen and all how this should all work out. I'm giving you those doors to walk through them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As I was saying, I, I recognize that this is a... I'm trying to land, I really am, but it's just... You just got to let God do what He wants to do sometimes. If you got to leave, you can leave, but... Whew. He's got things in this body. And He spoke long, a long time ago, and He hasn't forgotten about he hasn't forgotten about them. He hasn't forgotten about them. And he hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about you. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can do whatever you, whatever you want. You want to close again? I'm done. <laughs> do not fear the spirit of evangelism. Not fear when it comes on you when God says, speak to that person. No. Yeah. Pastor Jordan already said this, and this is how it is. Are they not all ministering spirits, talking about angels, who are sent forth? That means they've been sent forth, who are sent forth to those who will be heirs of salvation. You have help. You have angels that have already been commissioned and sent forth by the Word of God, by God, to help you in those situations and in those circumstances. I had a vision earlier when we were praying of the activity of the angels in this place. And it's just, they were, they were moving very quickly here and there, and just this, this person, just that person and so on and so forth. So as you have those, as you do this, the, the, 
work of an evangelist and you bring them in here, the angels will minister to them as well here. So much activity, so much activity. I couldn't keep up with it. It was happening so fast. I couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> are they not all ministry spirits sent forth to minister those who are selfish? We're, not, we're never landing. We're never landing. Okay? We're, we're, this is, we're going. We're, we're, it's, it's a, it's, I'm just going to keep going. It doesn't end when we say, have a great week. Amen? It goes on. Yes, for your steps have been ordered. <laughs> I have predestined you to meet people, even this coming week. You have divine appointments already set up. Set your clock. Set your heart. Watch for that appointment. Watch for that open heart. Open your mouth, and I will fill it. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, as, as Pastor Joram was saying in the, the, the apostolic song, my life, and all this time I've been thinking about the angels and, and, and their activities and, and so on, and, and just how they're much more involved, and we're just going to see so much more of it. I, I, I profess it. It's going to see much, much more of it. Much more of it. You know, I, I know we've, we've had some experiences with some angels in, in the past, and uh, uh, I've yet to see an angel in, in all its glory, you know, standing there with the big wings, 10 feet tall, and so on and so forth. Visibly seeing that, you know, but we know they're here because each one of you brought one with you. We, we know they're here. Amen. Oh, glory. Good times. Good times. Amen. It's, um, it's offering time. Let's do offering. <laughs> I, uh, you know, and as we do this, you know, resources will come. Resources will come to be able to do the, do, do all the works of God, that God has called us to do. Amen. And so let's say this together. As I tithe and give offerings, I'm believing the Lord for, first off, souls and more souls. Tops. Raises and bonuses. Benefit sales and commissions. Favorable settlements. Estates and inheritance. Interest and income. Rebates and returns. Discounts and dividends. Checks in the mail. Gifts and surprises, finding money, bills decrease, bills paid off, blessings and increases. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 There's been many a deposit today in this place. Many a deposit. Take it with you. Take it with you. Amen? Take it with you. Release it by faith. Take it with you. Amen. Who glory until we see you again. Continue on in God. Amen. <laughs>